fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. I heard the funniest knock-knock joke this week. You oh, want, you did? You want to hear it? Okay. Okay. Okay, go. Say knock-knock. Knock-knock. Who's there? Get it? You're confused. I am. <laughs> I'm trying to think what was my line. Cody Cody told me that earlier this week. That was pretty good. I didn't, I didn't. And, and I couldn't remember it earlier, and I got I called him, and I got him to tell it to me so I could tell you and the, the rest you. of the listeners. But you, I bet you got a circus joke or two. I do. Because um, today we're talking about... So part of the reason why we're talking about a circus while I'm, while I'm getting my circus jokes back up is because the circus is coming back. She's coming back, less the animals. My, yeah, minus the animals. So they are, um, circus is coming back, but you heard it here first. Actually, you probably didn't hear, for, hear it here first, but it won't be until 2023. I, and we were talking about it. I feel like a lot of people went to the circus to see the animals. I, um, like in my adulthood years when I could like make, cons- like I could mm-hmm. consent to going myself and my family didn't just bring me, I refused to go because the animals were not treated nicely. But when I was little, I went, and the only thing I remember is I got a stuffed cheetah, and I named her China, because we were that. a cultured little little girl. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't remember going to the circus a ton, but I do remember like when it would come to the BJCC mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, the circus still came to town. It did, just like in the ye old days. But just like in the what? The ye old days. The ye old days. But do you know why circus performers are often stressed? They got to jump through fire. It's because their job is intense. Man, I wish I would have come up with that one. <gasps> but um, so we're gonna tell you a little bit about the circus today, mm-hmm. and then we're going to tell you a little bit of a scary story as we do. Scary story. Scary tale. Hannah's gonna find it hard to concentrate. I know because she's very jealous. I can see it in her eyes of the bucket hat I'm wearing. The reason why Lacey. If she keeps this in, it took a minute to get her microphone is because she was situating her bucket hat on top of her headphones. Yeah. So she had bucket hat under the headphones and she mm-hmm. couldn't hear anything because of, the, of the, the flaps. It's also a terry cloth bucket hat. You forgot that very it, yes. important description. Yes. So you heard it here first. We're bringing back bucket hats. It keeps the sun out of your face. It'd be a great accessory to wear when mm-hmm. you go to the circus next right. year. There you go. So circus has been popular. It's a popular form of entertainment for centuries, and the acts just have become more and more daring over time. The word circus comes from our ancient Greeks, from their word circos, which means circle or ring. Makes sense. Checks out. The first circus dates all the way back to ancient Rome in the 6th century BCE. Of course. Of course. All all things do. The Greeks and the Romans. 
always where we always start what uh, what became known as circus maximus was chariot racing around a track um which as well as the host of the roman games yeah they say you say roman games but i imagine that it's not like what the darker yeah it's not like what the world games are you know right going on right now yeah other events uh hosted at the site included animal hunts boo public executions and gladiator fights so when we say roman games we it's a little bit more than just they're not playing ring around the rosy they're not they're not kicking a soccer ball and they're not playing um what is the one where you stand in a line and you say um come on over red rover red Red rover Rover. send hannah right over they're not doing that but watch out for a bucket hat some some people actually believe that this is the place where the apostles peter and paul were executed so they could have been executed at a circus. That's terrifying. So fortunately for us, modern day circuses do not contain any purposeful bloodshed. Yeah. Still some bloodshed, but it's not execution style. Mm-hmm. What we have come to know today as the circus was created by a, nam- a man named Philip Astley. Hannah, <laughs> watch your mouth. It's his last name, Astley. Astley. I know there's a T in there. He, he and his wife, Patty, established Astley's Riding School in London, where Philip would teach in the morning, and then he would perform equestrian tricks in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Both Philip and Patty were expert riders. He, he was the most famous act and was widely considered to be the first circus clown act known as the Taylor of Brentford or Taylor's Ride to Brentford. Exhilarating. In which... He would he acted out a comedy show on horseback, so that actually probably would be exhilarating. It would. That would. I've I've never been. I would to, be entertained by that. What's the thing in Tennessee where you go the hoedown? Where's the and you get, they give you the drinks and the boot? Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The drinks and the boot. Yeah, the Dolly, Dolly Parton. No, Dollywood. No, that's Dolly Parton. No, you, people that are I listening bet, know I what bet, I'm talking I about. Bet at Dolly Part at Dollywood, they have a comedy show on horseback. They probably do, but that's not what I'm talking about. Oh. But people right now are just screaming it into their microphone. I've never been. I don't think I... I but don't. they ride around horses in a ring, and you eat and watch it, and you drink beverages out of boots. I Put it on the, put it on yep, the, we'll go there on first. the bucket list. Mm-hmm. Put, put it on the road trip mm-hmm. list. One of Patty's popular tricks was riding her... Um, involved her riding in the ring, circling the ring on horseback at speed with swarms of bees covering her hands and arms as if she was wearing mittens. That is a hard flex. Well, also, how do you find out that that's what you're good at? I don't know, but also, have you seen the bee people on TikTok? Yes. It's fr- they they could probably do it too. What is that sound? It it might be an airplane for the World Games. <gasps> that's true. Happening in Birmingham it is definitely an airplane. Sorry about that. It is, but yeah, the girl on TikTok that just puts her hand I in know. the bees and none of them sting her. So and just she... imagine you go watch this and like the first guy takes a lap around this the ring and he's riding a horse and mm-hmm. he's he's doing a comedy routine and then she comes out and she takes a lap around the ring with mm-hmm. just bees. She's like, and wait, bees. Yep. Astley is also credited with discovering that the ideal size of a circus ring was 42 feet in diameter. Exactly. Exactly. This was the optimum size that enabled him to use centrifugal force to help balance on a horse's back as he rode in circles around the ring. Pretty smart. As time went on, he eventually added other performers to the act. Acrobats, jugglers, clowns, strong men, etc. 
Do you do you know a joke about jugglers? I do. You do. Yeah, you want to. You want more I jokes do. about jugglers? Uh huh. Do you know how to kill a circus? Um, you could burn it down. You go straight for the juggler. Oh, juggler. The, ju- <laughs> the juggler. <laughs> I got another one about clowns. So come back to me when okay. you, when we when we get to clowns. Okay. The circus was brought to America in 1792 when a man named John Bill Ricketts started a riding school that eventually developed into a circus. I guess all circuses start with horses. Start with horses. They There weren't any stadiums back then, so Ricketts built a walled-in, open-air, wooded ring for the performance. 800 people could jam in there to see Ricketts trick riding as well as clowns, acrobats, rope walking, and a boy equestrian. I mean, what else could you want? Nothing, I guess. The show was successful, and even George Washington later saw one of Ricketts' performances in New York. Didn't yeah. Even a president. That was a long, long mm-hmm. time ago. So fast forwarding a little bit, in 1825, Joshua Purdy Brown put a very distinctly American stamp on the circus. This was in the middle of the Evangelical Second Great Awakening, and city leaders in Wilmington, Delaware, banned public amusement from the city. Because they were full of Satan. Right. So Brown stumbled upon the prohibition during this tour and had to think fast to outwit local authorities. So he erected a circus tent just outside of the city limits. And this is how the big top tent circus was born. There you go. You just, the red and it, white stripes. If you can't see it, it's not happening. So you just throw a throw big a tent, tent over throw it. Throw a big tent around mm-hmm. it. The circus really took off, though, in 18... 18- 69 after the completion of the transcontinental railroad as did everything else in america so the american circus in particular was revolutionized by phineas taylor barnum aka the greatest showman this is the greatest show so you'd have people who could not only travel by train to go see the circus but a lot of people would like run away via train for the circus can, can we talk about The Greatest Showman? Absolutely. Top five favorite movies of all time. We were just talking about this. I don't have my top five filled out. But she knows that The Greatest Showman's in her top five. Right. I can sing you the whole entire playlist. Yep. It's incredible. We love Hugh Jackman. And the movie does a pretty good job of... Yeah. It, the, a lot. Of, I didn't realize it until after I started researching this that the movie tried to be historically accurate. Yeah. Which, which I always appreciate when they mm-hmm. do. So as portrayed in the movie... Barnum did come from humble beginnings, and his father was a tailor, among other things. Mm -hmm. His biggest talent was making money by any means necessary. And at the age of 25, he struck up his first deal. He rented a blind, partially paralyzed slave woman named Joyce Heth for $1,000 a week. So what the Greatest Showman movie didn't point out was that he is was very sketchy. Yes. And so, did a lot of racist things. but Which makes mm-hmm. sense why they cut that out, but right. you're hearing it here. He boasted that she was 161 years old. Sure. And, that, and the former nurse of George Washington. I like how they just added that little side Why pat. not? <laughs> which this surprisingly drew crowds of people who were mm-hmm. anxious to hear her speak and even hear her sing. I wonder what drew them more. The fact that she was 161 or the fact that she was George Washington's former nurse, which was a lie, but... Right. right. I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting combination. Mm-hmm. When interest in Heth began to fade in New York... Barnum took her through New England, attempting to increase sales by claiming that she was using the proceeds from the tour to buy her great 
grandchildren out of slavery. And she was probably getting none of that money. Probably not. Then when interest began to fade from that, so a second time people lost interest, Barnum sent an anonymous letter to the Boston Press claiming that Teth was not a person at all, but instead a automaton. 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 Sounds like a, a word. Um, what are they called? Transformers. Yes. <laughs> Transformers weren't, weren't around mm-hmm. just quite yet. But yep. this was a word used then for a mechanical figure made of whalebone springs and rubber so, so he's he, like just he said she wasn't even human she's not she's not a human she's a machine mm-hmm. when she died he hosted a live autopsy at a new york saloon charging 50 cents per spectator and she was only about 80 even though that he said 161 mm-hmm. and this is where the story was exposed as a hoax she couldn't even die in peace he was going to make every I last mean, cent also, like, who's Possible. going to watch a live me autopsy? <laughs> Easily me. That's like we my need worst to talk nightmare, about but. the first morgue in Paris and how that was like <gasps> a Sunday a stroll, spooky, spooky spot. spot coming to a scary tales podcast near you. Uh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Also, somewhere I wouldn't go to. In 1841, Barnum learned that the Shooters American Museum, a collection of $50,000 worth of, quote, relics and rare curiosities located in New York City on Lower Broadway was for sale. His purchase and the grand reopening of the attraction as Barnum's American Museum was what he would later call the, quote, ladder by which he rose to his fortune. And so, they show that in the movie. He buys do. the museum first. Yes. This one didn't start off as a horseback riding no. ring. This one started off as like a... He was like, I got to figure it out. I can't ride a horse. I right. can't carry bees on my hands. So I'm just going to hire other people who have something interesting about them. Bee mittens. <laughs> bee, bee gloves. Mm-hmm. He became fascinated with collecting oddities and curiosities, which did include human beings. Mm-hmm. In November of 1842, Barnum was introduced to Charles Stratton, a four-year-old boy who was only 25 inches tall and weighed 15 pounds. Poor buddy. Barnum made arrangements with his parents to hire their little son for $3 a week, plus room and board and travel for the boy and his mother while they were in New York. New York's expensive. The small boy became known to society as General Tom Thumb, man in miniature. Mm-hmm. And Barnum marketed him as an 11-year-old. There you go. Yeah, so make your money. He's also in the stretching movie. Stretching the truth. But in the movie, he's like a grown man. Right. Has a like crazy old man yep. voice. Uh, New York's fascination with this child was very overwhelming, and after the first month, Barnum raised Tom's salary to $7 a week since he was Ooh, so doggy. successful. Eventually, Charles would earn $25 a week. Mm. Um, with his extraordinary popularity, Barnum arranged a tour of England where the company was given an audience with Queen, Queen Victoria and the whole royal family. Which, again, again, in, in the, the movie. movie. Also, just like in the movie, Barnum also met and hired the Swedish Nightingale, Jenny Lynn. Never enough. Go ahead. Never, never. Isn't it true that she didn't actually sing that? that sing I that. think the girl everybody from American else, Idol. But everybody else sang, yeah. except for her. Um, also, when I first read this, I read the Swedish Nightmare. Which, which would be, if I wrote it. a whole nother. Yeah. A whole nother act. Yeah. That sounds like a Tim Burton movie. It does. Mm-hmm. A Tim Burton circus movie? Yes. Would be so good. That would be great. Anyway, Jenny Lynn, Swedish Nightingale. His marketing campaign for her was unprecedented. He vowed that she would receive $1,000 a night 
for up to 150 nights of performances. And he paid salaries up front, meaning he had to sell or mortgage everything that he owned. He put all his apples in one basket. Which, fortunately for him, she was an instant success the moment she stepped foot off of the bus from Europe. And thank, thank the Lord. Thank goodness. In 1870, Barnum's showman instinct was further stimulated by a proposal from Midwestern circus managers W.C. Coop and his partner Dan Costello. The plan was for Barnum to take the American Museum on the road and create the, quote, greatest show on earth. This is the greatest show. He recruited many of his old friends and performers and sought out new and exciting acts to join this venture. And he was later quoted as saying, quote, it will be the largest group of wonders ever known. My great desire is to totally eclipse all other exhibitions in the world. Mm-hmm. And now he has animal crackers named after him. And, and now you can find mm-hmm. him in grocery stores on aisle 10. On April 10th, 1871, P.T. Barnum's Grand Traveling Museum, Menagerie, Caravan, and Circus opened in Brooklyn. There you go. I love the word menagerie. Menagerie. As the show became more popular, he secured a site as a permanent home for the spectacular show. So on April 30th, 1874, the New York Hippodrome, which later would be known as Madison Square Gardens. You might have heard of it. You might have heard of that one. You probably haven't heard of the New York Hippodrome, but but this was the largest public amusement structure ever built, seating over 10,000 people and costing $150,000. Which would have been obviously at that a time. bajillion to make. Right. I mean, you know what the Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden is now, so yeah. to that back then. Then, in 1880, Barnum met manager of the best circus in London, James Bailey. So they joined forces, and Barnum and Bailey's greatest show on earth was officially born. One of their most popular attractions was Jumbo the Elephant. This is what you think of when you think of the cir- circus. Mm-hmm. Jumbo was 11 and a half feet tall and weighed six and a half tons. But unfortunately, after three years of success, Jumbo died after being accidentally mm-hmm. stuck, struck by a train. How does that happen? Because trains, trains move pretty slow. And how do you not see? Elephants are elephant. really big. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't feet. take that long to cross a train track. Honestly, I thought if a train like hit an elephant, it would just the train would get thrown off yeah. the rails. I don't know. Oh, did you a, hear that? That was my shoe, and it sounded like did it sound like oh, a fart. Yeah, <laughs> Hannah. Sorry. A large portion of the circus's appeal was the quote freak show. So not everybody went for the for the elephant. And this is what they called themselves the yes, freak show. Yes. We're not calling them freaks. No, this is it's in it's in quotations. Mm-hmm. This is what they were they called. For centuries, cultures around the world had interpreted severe physical deformities as bad omens or evidence that evil spirits were present. But by the late 1500s, these stigmas had translated into a, quote, public curiosity. This is where we keep saying curiosities. Mm-hmm. People were interested. Barnum, of course, took advantage of this and began to, quote, collect his own freaks. I'm going to tell you about We're some of, tell you them about now. A couple of them now. There was William Henry Johnson, who suffered from micro... Microcephaly. Mm-hmm. Lacey has to say all the science words mm-hmm. for me. Which made his head appear cone-shaped. Mm-hmm. In 1860, P.T. Barnum recruited him and transformed him into Zip. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Who he said was a, quote, different race of human found during a gorilla trekking expedition 
near the Gambia River in Western Africa. He's just like your standard American. Right, just with a little Mm -hmm. bit of a different shaped head. Um, His head was shaved, save for a small tuft at the very top, and he was dressed from head to toe in a suit of fur. Um, Darwin had just recently published The Origin of Species, so Barnum was promoting Zip as this, quote, like missing link or beacon of evolutionary proof, so to speak. I tell you what, he knows how to make money. He... He's he's good at marketing, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barnum would display Zip in a cage and ordered that he must only grunt. He was paid $1 a day to keep quiet and to stay in character. And Barnum would also have Zip play a violin, like so, so badly that he was often paid to stop playing by spectators. There you go, more money. Uh, more, I, honestly, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll play an instrument poorly. Poor Zip. Yep, so that was Zip. Then there was also George Continentus, America's, quote, first tattooed side act. Which uh, now you could just walk down the street. I mean, yeah, this is not see. a curiosity. Yeah. This is a norm- normality. Mm-hmm. Uh, born in 1836, he claimed to be a Greek Albi- Albanian prince raised in a Turkish harem. He had 338 tattoos covering nearly every inch of his body, except for his nose and the soles of his feet. Soles of your feet. That would be would painful. Be very painful. Um, these tattoos were incredibly ornate and depicted Burmese specific species, symbols of Eastern mythology. Mm-hmm. According to Continentus's tale, he had been on a military expedition in Burma when he and three others were captured by, quote, savage natives and offered a choice. And their choice was they could either be cut into pieces from head to toe. Yikes. Or receive full body tattoos and be liberated. Mm-hmm. So obviously they chose the latter option. They chose the tattoos. Uh-huh. And a process which took three months and killed Continentus's accomplices. That is a story. It's probably not true at all, but it is a story. That reminds me of Tattoo Roulette, James Corden. Remember when One Direction did that? No. And Harry Styles ended up having to get the Late Late Show tattooed on his arm. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. In 1870, Continentus, he, um, when he partnered with P.T. Barnum, he became the American Museum's highest-grossing act, taking home more than $1,000 per week, which was, which would be like an impressive $37,000 per week today. <laughs> so, man, it pays to be different sometimes. It, it's true. Uh, there was also Fedor Jefficiu, who was a... Born with a face covered in long, dark hair. Mm-hmm. This guy's in the movie. Yep. Right? Um, Fedor was adopted by a cold-hearted showman who brought or brought to England and then advertised as, quote, the boy who was raised by wolves in Siberian wilderness. So, you know, the ever-scheming P.T. Barnum saw the act, mm-hmm. purchased the boy's contract, and transitioned him to the United States in 1884. But, as with any of his performers... Barnum needed to embellish Fedor's story a little bit. Of course. He turned the child into, quote, Jojo the dog-faced boy. That's nice. And played the stereotype of a prehistoric man. Kind of like Zip, I bet. Yeah. Uh, Barnum said that he'd been found in the cave deep in the forests of central Russia, feeding on berries and hunting with a rudimentary club. Mm-hmm. Uh, after enduring a bloody battle to capture the, quote, beast Hunters taught him how to walk upright, wear clothes, and speak like a dignified human. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Barnum would dress him in a Russian cavalry uniform 
and had him play up this savage nature where he was, quote, barking, growling, and baring his teeth at onlookers. Throughout the 1880s, Fedor was among one of the high, among some of the highest paid performers in the business, netting $500 a week, which would be $13,000 today. And by the time of his retirement, his savings totaled nearly $300,000 back then, or $7.6 million Doggy. today. No pun intended. <laughs> Woo, doggy. Doggy. So, it's a lot of money. But but not not worth it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. To be treated horribly but also maybe the tattoo guys if you're using if you're using that to your advantage you go for it here's the thing of all these people the tattoo guy is probably the only one that like willingly you know he didn't that his story didn't yeah he wasn't born with covered in tattoos right so he anyway after barnum and bailey died the ringling brothers purchased and merged the two enterprises Mm -hmm. but in 2017 they announced that the circus would be closing after 146 years of performances. Long time. The decline seemed to be to begin with anim, the animal rights movement, which was why we said there's no more animals. That's why I wasn't going. Uh, reports surfaced of how badly the animals were being treated, but in reality, um, entertainment in today's world is just so readily accessible that mm-hmm. you didn't need this. Um, you can drive, you can go to the mall, you can go to Six Flags. You don't have to wait for the circus to come to town anymore. You can go mm-hmm. get your entertainment. And then as for the freak shows, um, advances in medical knowledge have diminished some of the curiosities or the mysteries behind the so-called, quote, freaks. Um, So as spectators become more aware of the nature of the performer's condition, their curiosity or wonder is replaced by pity or, like, concern. Right. So And you can just see it on TV. Like, there's shows about the American Horror Story freak show. You can watch that on TV. Yeah. So, so will we be going to the circus in 2023? Probably not. I'm an introvert. I don't really get out much. We might. I no, might drive you know, Lacey. Yeah. But speaking of American Horror Story. Oh, we've. Yeah. We've next, next we're, we're talking about a boy that's known as the evil lobster boy. He, and we'll, Barnum would have loved him. Mm-hmm. 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 But we got a little snack coming up, so. See you in a sec. Hannah and I both brought today's snack break. Like, I didn't know what Hannah was bringing. Hannah didn't know what I was bringing. Normally, I brought one, but I guess she thought she was supposed to be bringing it this week, and I thought I I was supposed to be bringing it. I just saw it and was like, this is perfect for today's episode. And And we both brought the same thing. The same thing. It just shows you how, like, in tune Lacey and I are with Mm -hmm. each other. I walked in, saw it sitting on the counter, and I pulled pulled a bag out myself. Yeah. It is Mother's Frosted Cookies. Mother's. Not Barnum's. It says the original circus animal cookies. You think they're the originals? No, I think the 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 Barnum ones in the red bag. That's what I thought. Or the ones that come in in the the little box. box. Yeah, I almost got those, and they these just seemed more interesting. They claim to be the original, but I wanted to get the big orange squishy um, circus peanuts. Those look so gross. I've never had them, so I thought that would be fun, but I couldn't find them. I just want regular peanuts. I just want to go downtown and get some of the real like. Yes, yeah, salted, peanuts. roasted peanuts. This so. is I. So they come in pink and white, and they're iced animal crackers with sprinkles. I think I got an elephant. Okay, I was about. I'm looking at. 
Now I got a camel. Yeah. What is the third animal in the front? Was that supposed Let me to be see. A- Turn it to me. Oh, I think that's what I got. A rhino. Maybe. There's no horn. A bear. A bear. A lion. No. It, it, tell me that's a hippo. A lion. It's a hippo. Hippos aren't in the circus. That's true. <laughs> anyway, what animal is that? Mm. Hmm. Oh, that does kind of look like a rhino, actually. That one has there, a horn. There you go. I just got a deformed one. Hmm. Always good. Let me. Drink it tastes some. like childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like a plain Barnum and Bailey red box mm-hmm. animal cracker. Mm-hmm. I've got some tums here. We'll take some of those. Um, and that looks like the head of a lion. Well, it's like a unicorn. I feel like we're looking at things in the clouds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drink some smart water. Those were good. We're obviously brilliant that we bought the same snack. Only seven cookies is a serving size. Well, yeah. What are you going to do, though? They're good. You should go get them. We found them at Walmart. You can also get them at Target. Mm -hmm. And that was today's snack break. Mother's Mother's Frosted Cookies. Time for lobster hands. We should have had lobsters or snack break. That sounds sexual. Welcome back to part two. Lobster boy. Oh, lobster boy. When's the last time you went to, um, almost, almost said lobster house. That's not what it's called. Red lobster? Red lobster. It's been a while. What I take is still red lobster. Imagine if Grady Styles was still alive and he heard that song. Or his wife was just singing him that song. Anyway, it could be a thing. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get some red lobster f- for our next tra- snack break. There you go. We could have gotten red lobster cheese. We are so stupid. We could what? have gotten the li- red those lobster cheese biscuits, biscuits for a snack break. Those are so good. Next time. Next time. Next time. And then All we'll right. just point people back to this episode. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you the story of the evil lobster boy. And I'm, the reason I'm calling him lobster boy is because that's what he called himself. Okay. Nobody come at me. So his name was Grady Franklin Styles Jr., a.k.a. Lobster Boy, and he was a famous freak show performer turned murderer and the inspiration behind the Lobster Boy character on American Horror Story. Have you seen that season? No, I, I always tried to get into American Horror Story because I always thought I mm-hmm. was, like, emotionally stronger than I am. Yeah. And I would watch, like, two episodes of the season and be like, it's too spooky. And I would think, like, each season when it changes, mm-hmm. I would think, oh, I, I can, I can you handle can do this. I one. can handle this season. I can handle the circus. No, nope. nope. I could not handle the circus. No, the circus season had or freak show season had the clown yeah, with could. all the teeth. Yeah, so. I could could not handle. Yeah. So. so this story is set in Gibsonton, Florida, which is the self-proclaimed carny town where everyone had run away with the circus. So uh, during its town, the town's heyday, its population included some of the most renowned sideshow acts in history. Just a couple of them here. There was Al the Giant Tomani and his wife Jeannie, who was known as the Half Woman. She only had half a body. Oh. There was Melvin the Rubber-Faced Man. His skin, he had, um, I forget what it's called, but it's where their skin is extremely dry. Yeah. Uh, there was Priscilla, the monkey girl, the conjoined Hilton sisters, and the lobster family. I'm just sorry. I'm thinking of Nikki and Paris Hilton just 
conjoined at the hill, <laughs> just hanging out. The town was, like I said, full of carnival people to the point that the post office made like a, an average person height counter and a lower no. counter. Yep. And they also had special things in place where people in the town could own things like elephants and tigers. Wow. Mm-hmm. So anyways, back to Grady. He was born in June of 1937 with a condition known as erectodactyly. And this is a congenital congenital deformity. I'm going to have to say erectodactyly. You you did great with that. And and then messed up congenital. (laughs) Sorry. It's going to happen a lot. But anyway, this is a deformity that causes a fusing of the toes and fingers that twist them into claw-like appendages. So you know when you make your hand do that Mm -hmm. thing, that alien thing that Mm -hmm. says we come in peace? Kind of like that. I bit back up my phone in and find my place where you're over there. You definitely would have needed out. a pop socket. He, that would have been perfect for Grady to have a pop socket. Yep. That's true. So this genetic deformity affected a lot of people in the Styles family. His father had a history of it. Uh, it, it went way far back. It's a very strong genetic trait that carries through pretty often. Uh, one of Grady's sisters also had erectodactyly, but only in one foot, and her parents decided to amputate the foot and then get her a prosthetic leg. I was thinking about this. I'm not sure why they didn't amputate both of his legs and get him prosthetic legs so he could walk, but maybe two at that time was just one one leg amputation was too risky, so he I couldn't guess. have gotten both. Because with this condition, a person can have one deformed limb or all of the limbs can be deformed. And in Grady's case, all four of his limbs were affected and he would never be able to walk. So he used a wheelchair and he would have trouble getting a quote-unquote regular job because he just didn't have functional hands. And they didn't have things like pop sockets back then. That's a fact. His father, having experienced life with the same condition, decided that he would have to help Grady find his way in the world, have to find a way for Grady to make money using his disadvantage to his advantage. So at the age of seven, he put Grady into the freak show. I was say, enter the circus. Yeah. Grady's dad was known as the Lobster Man, while Grady Jr. was known as the Lobster Boy. Mm. Compared to being in school where Grady Jr. was constantly bullied, he actually thrived in the circus and became a local celebrity. I mean, he's living in a carnival town where everybody loves carnival freak show type people. So, and he was just able to make friends like him. Maybe not lobster people, but... But people who were different. Yeah. Oh, maybe Zip was there. Maybe. Could have been. So, he would eventually meet a 17-year-old circus worker named Maria Teresa and she started out as a ticket salesman but was able to work her way up to perform in certain circus acts, the biggest of which was the Electrified Girl, where she would be electrocuted and sparks would shoot out of her fingers. Wow. uh, I don't know when she died. She probably died at an early age, I'm imagining. doesn't. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining routine electric shock shock. doesn't doesn't bode well for life expectancy. But I bet she wasn't depressed. A little ECT (laughs) every night? Maybe. The two fell in love and got married and had four children, only two of which survived infancy. I believe the other two had pneumonia because the conditions at the circus were not Not the cleanest, animals everywhere. But the two girls that did survive were named Donna and Kathy, and Kathy was born with erectodactyly. And because of this, she was very clearly Grady's favorite child. Mm. Unfortunately, 
things did not stay happy for long and Grady started drinking and he was unfortunately a very angry junk. Because, mm. you know, there's some alcoholics that are just goofy. Right. One of my favorite patients of all time. Just goofy. Goofy as a loon. Loved him to death. But Grady was not so. He was very I angry. imagine he had some some deep-rooted mm. issues from yep. from his condition that, yep. that came back out. Yep. He became both physically and emotionally abusive abusive to his wife and children. And because he used he so he had learned to crawl around on his arms and because of this, his arms were extremely strong and mm-hmm. his claw like hands were perfect for choking. <gasps> yeah. Because the the two outer digits are really thick and those lobster claws are really large so he would mm-hmm. just smack them around do whatever my yeah. whole question is he he's crawling on the ground and you have i'm just trying to figure out how he was able to logistically how this worked yeah because you would think you could just get away from him or stomp on him i don't know so 15 years into the marriage maria had enough and filed for divorce for whatever reason, she didn't show up to the court hearing for the custody of Donna and Kathy. And Aww. so the two girls were given over to Grady. Oh, that's mm-hmm. She did go on, however, to marry another circus performer named Harry Newman, who was known as the world's smallest man. She's got a type, Maria. She has got a type. He was also, just fun fact, known as the human blockhead because he could hammer nails into his nose. They would have what? a son whom they also named Harry Newman. Lots of double names, juniors. juniors. But shortly after Harry Newman Jr. was born, the two got a divorce. But Marie, she stayed in Gibsonton. She loves circus people. So that's not a surprise. Meanwhile, Grady Stiles met and married a woman named Barbara, and they had a son who they named Grady Stiles Jr. Goodness. He was born with erectodactyly, and like his father, his condition affected all four of his limbs. So now Grady has two children with lobster claws. Mm. And so like P.T. Barnum himself, he just, his eyes, like in those cartoons, just rolled like uh, lottery machines mm-hmm. with dollar with signs. Dollar signs. Yeah. He, Kathy, and Grady Jr. joined the freak show as the lobster family. And when the children were in public, he would make them wear gloves over their claws so that no one would get a look for free. Because if they're just out and about, you're why, seeing it. Why would you want to go to the circus and yeah. see it? He's like, we're not doing bee gloves here. Mm-mm. We're just, nope. we got to put those things away, yeah. Kathy. When Grady Sr. turned 30, he retired from performing but still traveled with his children and the freak show. And it was around this time that his other daughter, Donna, the one that didn't wasn't affected by the condition, had met and fell in love with a boy named Jack Lane. And the two were secretly engaged because her father did not approve of this quote-unquote normal boy who did not have... uh, For some reason, I just forgot how to say that. All of a sudden, even though I've been saying it a million times. That's because in this right here, I spelled it ectrodactyly. And now I'm questioning which one it actually is, but you get the point. You get the vibe. I do. So it came time for the wedding, and Donna, being the bigger person, called her dad and said, like, I'm marrying this man. It would be nice if you could at least meet him, and Grady Sr. agreed. So they arrive at the Stiles household at some point, and Grady and Jack are in a room by themselves talking. And all of a sudden, Donna hears a loud bang come from the other room and rushes to see what happened. 
And that is when she finds Jack, her fiance, lying dead on the floor in blood with obvious bullet wounds to his chest. And her father, Grady, standing in the corner with a gun. And when she looks up, Grady looks into her her eyes, his daughter's eyes, and says, better him than me. (gasps) Yeah. So Grady claimed self-defense and played up his disability in court, which is interesting considering he had never done that before he was always very accepting of his condition of proud of who he was like i said he was a town celebrity but now it benefits him to Mm -hmm. to do the reverse Mm -hmm. but despite his story grady was found guilty of third degree murder mother (laughs) but due to his poor health he had the erectodactyly he had lung problems he also had liver problems from drinking Mm -hmm. the prison prison system could not pay for all of his medical bills so they just sentenced him to 15 years of house arrest and at this point grady really felt invincible he literally just got away with murder literally Mm -hmm. and after many years barbara and grady got a divorce and he and the family moved back to gibsonton i guess at some point they moved away but now they're back and this is when he rekindles his relationship with his wife marie the first wife interesting grady had stopped drinking because he was on probation he was on house arrest and he appeared to be the man that marie had initially met and fell in love with but after they were remarried wouldn't you know things started slipping back to the way they were and grady again started drinking and this time he was sharing the abuse not only with marie and the children but also was abusing the grandchildren oh because he was cocky at this point. He knew that he had murdered and gotten away with it. So he would tell Marie all the time that he was going to murder her, and she believed him. Just imagine Mm -hmm. being murdered with big old lobster claws. On one particularly bad night, he started beating his daughter, Kathy, who was seven months pregnant at the (gasps) time, and this caused her to go into early labor. But thankfully, she and the baby survived, but still... An awful That's night. traumatizing. But the last straw came one night when Marie went to bed and and she hears the door creak open. She sees Grady crawling on the floor. He crawls up over up onto the bed, crawls on top of her, holds a knife to her neck as he strangles her with his lobster claws and promises her that he is going to kill her one day. So she's terrified at this point, and she expresses her fears with her son, Harry Newman Jr., from the other man, and he felt like he had to do something to save his mother, because at this point, yeah, Grady's already killed another person. Right. She's living with a murderer. Mm -hmm. So on November 30th, 1992, in the early morning hours, the police were called to the Stiles mobile home on the circus grounds, and when they entered the home, they found Grady Sr. sitting in his underwear in his armchair, covered in blood, dead, with three gunshot wounds to the head. But the police were looking around, and they noticed that there was money on a side table. Things didn't really seem to be missing, no signs of robbery. And they also noticed that the family didn't appear too upset, that their dad was just sitting there bleeding to or No, he wasn't bleeding yeah. to death. He was already dead. Given his state of rigor mortis, the police surmised that Grady had been killed hours before anyone decided to call them. They believed that he was probably killed around 11 p.m. the night before, and the neighbors reporting hearing loud bangs around that time. So the family said that they had not been at home at that time of the murder and arrived early that morning to find Grady dead. 
But police felt like this was odd because why is an entire family not at home in the middle of the night when most people are asleep? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they find their father's body and they're not a single one of them is shedding a tear. So what's going on? This made the police suspicious and they began to dig a little deeper to see what more information they could find. So police asked Harry Newman Jr. to take a lie detector test, which he failed. And after this, this was really an easy case for the police because Harry just broke under questioning and confessed to everything. He said that he was scared for his mother's life and knew that Grady had to die. But he didn't want to do it himself, so he hired another circus member to carry out the deed. Yikes. Interesting. 17-year-old Chris Wyatt needed the money, which he ended up getting $1,500 for the job, and he was agreeable. On the night of November 29th, he came to the Styles' home and knocked on the window, which was the planned cue for Marie and Harry to leave. He then entered the mobile home snuck up from behind and shot Grady three times in the head. So Grady never even saw it coming. Chris immediately admitted when questioned to the murder. He was, yeah, yeah it, was it, was me. it was me. Yep. What else? I mean, prison might be better than the circus, so might as well. Might as well. And he was sentenced to 27 years in prison. Marie also went to trial and claimed self-defense. She felt that her life was truly in danger and was convinced that Grady would follow through with his threats to kill her. But the only problem here is that at the exact time of his murder, Grady's just sitting in his underwear in his armchair watching TV. He's wasn't it actively wasn't, yeah. attempting to kill her, and you can't claim premeditated self-defense. Yeah. All of the children, though, did testify about Grady's abuse. Donna was like, he literally killed my fiance. And Kathy was like, he literally beat me when I was pregnant. But the court still wanted to know why Marie had to kill him. Why couldn't she have just left like all those years before? And she claimed that Grady would find her because all of her children were easily recognizable with their condition. Mm. They had to work in the freak show to make money. And so couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, he, he could easily track them down. In the end, the court found Marie guilty of manslaughter and sentenced her to 12 years in prison. And as for Harry, he actively planned the murder. And so he was given first, he was sentenced to, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Convicted of first degree murder. And he was sentenced to life in prison and sadly died in prison. Mm. Meanwhile, Chris, the hitman, was released in 2014. And Marie was released in 2000 and moved back to Gibsonton. There's just something about that town. Weird. Once you get there, you can't go away. Is it still a circus town today? I I believe so. Wow. In recent years, Grady Stiles Jr. has come out in defense of his mother. He was quoted as saying, quote, I'm not a fan of my dad as a person. My father was a racist and abusive. When I cried, he was like, I'll give you a reason to cry. He also claims that the murder didn't happen the same way that it was told in court. He said that his half-brother, Harry, was complaining about the abuse and said he wished something could be done. And Chris, the hitman, overheard this and took it upon himself to murder Grady Sr. I don't buy that. But I think they had like a, you know, a money trail, so. Yeah, I don't buy that. The funeral home couldn't find anyone to be the pallbearers for Grady Sr.'s funeral. No one showed up to his funeral. That's sad. I know what he did, but it's sad, like, it's sad that you were the type of person that had no one that yeah you pushed that you lived your away. life in a way where you're you're being getting put in the ground and no one is there yeah fun fact to just tie this all up with a bow kathy the one that um 
he beat her when she was pregnant she actually landed roles in the tv series carnival and in the tim burton movie big fish which part of that was shot here in alabama so hey yo interesting good for her but anyways that is the crazy story of old Old lobster Lobster boy Boy. old lobster boy really had it all he he really did he was a celebrity in old gibsonton have to put gibsonton on our uh i think it's like a a couple hours or an hour outside of tampa Mm -hmm. let's go go there go to butterfly world in fort lauderdale done excellent time just a little circus little butterflies yeah anyway lobster claws now you know all about the circus and pt barnum go go right now go home and watch greatest showman and you'll us later listen to the soundtrack on spotify your life will never be the same and and hashtag zendaya that's it yep Yep. we're just gonna cut it right there Mm -hmm. all right if you uh want to follow us and everything we're doing is doing us doing it you can check us out on scary tales podcast on instagram i will um actually try to try to post a picture of Lacey in her bucket hat. no don't do it hannah i don't look good just get it from this angle i'll send you a pic of my bucket hat I let just, me see the pic you just took i just <laughs> hannah delete that immediately i look like an old lady knitting <laughs> I was trying to get a picture of the bucket it's hat. It's not the Oprah, vibe for the bucket Oprah, hat. Over the headphones. Mm, mm. I'll send you a selfie. Perfect. She'll send us a selfie and we'll post it. See you next time. Never enough.